Welcome to Black Armada Tales, an actual play podcast. My name is Josh Fox. My pronouns are he and him. I will be your game master. And with me is... Hello, I'm Becky Anderson. My pronouns are she, her. And I will be playing Lieutenant Emily Loris, known as Hellcat. That is the Ares playbook. And her pronouns are she and her also. My name's Ed Tomlinson. I will be playing the famous slash infamous Dr. Tobias Roy, the Scorpio playbook, and our pronouns are he and him. Hey folks, I'm Nick Bate. I am playing the Taurus playbook, Captain or Commander, as you wish, Sam Buckley, who is Captain of the Hecate. We both share he, him pronouns. Hi everyone, I'm Sue Elliott. I will be playing the Gemini playbook, who is Sonia Vega, investigator extraordinaire, and our pronouns are she, her. And we are going to be playing Last Fleet, authored by Joshua Fox, i.e. me. When a Korax attack is launched, typically what happens is a massive rift opens between real space and the Tenebrium. Uh, we've had the Tenebrium described earlier as a kind of filamentous uh, realm where your ship is passing through the filaments. So you can see these filaments through the rift and an enormous Korax tendril will extrude from the rift. I think on the cover of the Last Fleet book, it's a sort of enormous pink, pinky blacky thing. And that tendril will then emit little pod ships. And by little, obviously I don't mean little at all. I mean the same size as a fighter. And for your purposes, those ships then come and try to attack you or land on you or you know, do horrible things to you. And that is is what you see. Were you to look out the, you know, the starboard uh, viewing port, that's what you would see. I think as we speak, the Hecate's rapiers are already out. And the marine ships are on the way too. So... And the Hecate itself is deployed and ready to go. Marine ships, yeah. Did we say there were two of those? Yeah, a couple of shuttles full of marines. Couple of shots full of marines, and and they're all heading towards the Alexander, correct? Yep. Just give me a quick rundown, Captain Buckley. How you envisage, like, if the tendril hadn't been there, how did you envisage this going? So there are there are fuel pods on board the Alexander that need to be yep. detached so that we can yep. collect them, and the place to detach them is engineering on board the ship, and we know that. The ship is Korax infested. So I'm assuming that there are people amongst the Marines who are trained to do that, like who have the necessary skill to do that. So I think the rapiers are flying air cover just in case exactly what happens has happened. happened. And the Marines are supposed to board, detach the fuel pods. I I don't know exactly how they're picked up. It might be by the shuttles that would bring the Marines over, or it could be a second wave once they're in the air or something of just ordinary shuttles. I don't, it's not my problem. Somebody else is going to have to sort that out. Yeah, no, no, cool. I, the reason I'm asking is because I don't want to have to negotiate this in the middle of a massive yeah, sure. fight. So I think the answer to that is probably that your shuttles have got some sort of little tractor beam type thing on that they can use to drag the fuel uh, thingies to to dock onto your ship. Let's say that's how it's going to work. So, sh- assuming your plan is still to go through with this, that's what you're going to need to do in the middle of a massive firefight. Hooray! 
And am I right in thinking that Dr. Roy is on one of those shuttles? Not one of those two. Okay. I think there must be a third shuttle in He's the on air. a whole new shuttle. Yeah, that's a bit behind the other ones. Yeah, there's going to have to be like a really small shuttle, like a one-man thing. Or maybe two man, depending on whether anyone else is like, like a to... space bobsleigh. <laughs> yes, exactly. I had assumed that when when I was when I got flight control to assign him a, a shuttle for launch, I assumed that came with the crew. If unless you want to fly it, Doctor Roy. I just assume, I just assumed it, I could fly it, but then maybe I don't know. I'd never really thought about That's it. That's fine. Yeah. So the basic deal with like who can fly and who can't is that anyone can fly a ship, but are you able to do anything decent in it? That's another story. Yeah. If you've not got the pilot skill, then you're basically not going to be able to do anything combat-oriented without it being... Yeah, which pretty much sums up the going apeshit. Problematic. ...thing <laughs> going on. Yeah. To flag up, I have the tactician move as well. Yes, I, I was assuming that you would. So do you need to roll at the beginning? I can't remember how tactician works. I don't roll, it... but I'll get hold at the beginning. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to do that now. Yes, let's do it. So is there's some sort of set of questions or something, isn't there? Yeah, so when your people go into battle, hold one for each that is true. You have a good view of the battlefield and direct comms with your people. That's a yes. Your people are trained and prepared for this sort of conflict. I think that's also a yes. You knew the details of the battle in advance. That is a hard no. <laughs> so that's two hold, and I can spend it one for one to do some things. I don't know if you want me to go through that now. No, why don't you just, like, yeah, when you're ready to spend it, tell us what you're spending it on. Yep. I think that'd be perfect. So, Hecate, not necessarily particularly oriented to deal with the tendril as yet. Rapiers spread out, but not necessarily positioned ideally to engage. And the two marine shuttles on their way to the Alexander, but not yet docked. Yeah, Dr. Roy, I think let's assume that you are launching yourself in your little bobsleigh as we start this session, shall we? So the giant tendril is launching in in true Battlestar Galactica style swarms of little pod ships and you guys will know full well that they are armed and I would like to know let's see who is it just you that's in a, a fighter it is isn't it like PC wise it's it's Hellcat yes what are you doing killing Korax did you want more details than that so I am aware that uh, oh, hang on a minute. This is a question that I need to know. How much of this mission am, am I aware of? Like, as in the Marines are going in and these shuttles protect them. Has that come over the wires? Because, like, the only briefing I've had is get your flight suit on and get in the, get in a cockpit and leave. I think that's a question for Hurricane because Hurricane will certainly have that information. And so it's down to him how he communicates that to the rest of his pilots. If Hurricane was given that information then I think as you were launching, he would have been broadcasting it across the team. He's not a, oh, um, a lackadaisical captain. Um, he will he'll be like, everybody, we're flying escort duty for these two shuttles. The Marines are going to land on board and detach the fuel pods. So there's a wing of Corax fighters headed towards... I'm going to say that there are fighters spewing out and they're, they are fanning out as you would imagine, some of them are going to be coming towards the Hecate. Some of them are going to be heading towards the Alexander. But the ones you are concerned with, I suspect, Hellcat, are the, the wing that are headed towards your your shuttles. What do you do? Absolutely. There's nothing like fancy about this. 
I'm just going to go and do my job, which is protecting the shuttles. I'm surprised we're in this situation, but I have a job to do and I'm going to do it. I think that is a very straightforward case of engaging in battle. Correct me if you disagree. No. Excellent. Then roll to engage in battle. I'm just going to remind people, by the way, folk who are not in a position to do anything other than Commander Buckley, who of course has his tactician move, that the option exists to watch helplessly, which enables you to spend pressure to help, even though you're not really there to help. Hang on, I just need to check. Raw, it's off raw, and my raw is one. So I rolled an 11. Boom, that's pretty good. Well, I'm a good pilot. How are you actually going about it? it? Like, just I should have asked you this before you rolled the dice, but how are you actually going about fending off these these pesky correct? So I think that this is this is like bread and butter for Hellcat. This is the thing that she's good at, and this isn't even a particularly complicated part of her day job. So, and this is the place where she feels most at ease and most calm. And I think that it's just a very simple case of she is using her targeting computer, but also using her sensors to kind of detect where the Koraks are coming in. She is looking at the kind of the lines that the ships are taking to work out whether they are coming in for a serious run on the shuttle or whether they are heading past and going for the Hecate and that sort of thing. So she's really, really good at just picking off the the Koraks fighters, which are genuinely targeting or about to target the shuttles and ignoring the others because that is not currently part of her brief. Other people will deal with those other things. But as soon as kind of it is clear to her, and I think that she maybe has not preternatural, but she's incredibly good at spotting when somebody's going to be targeting the shuttle or whether they're faking or whether they're going to be going straight past, then that's the one that she takes out. So she's very, very efficient and quick at it. Cool. So within 11, tell me what that translates to. What's What's the wording? When you engage in battle role, raw on a hit choose and then if i roll the seven to nine i have to choose two negatives but i don't have to choose the negatives at all because i rolled an 11 so i only have to choose from one of three one i overcome a tough target's defenses or destroy a number of weaker targets two i hold off a determined assault or drive away a formidable opponent or three i keep a target safe during the battle Now, although I've just explained how I'm kind of destroying small ships, really my the the kind of the goal of my mission is to keep these shuttles safe. So I'm going to choose three. I keep a target safe during battle. Cool. Okay. So in that case, it sounds as though no, Ed, not you. You're not the target that's kept safe. I didn't even know you were out here, Doctor Roy. Sorry. Yeah, I guess you've got like a transponder though, so probably you will quite quickly become aware if you pay attention to your radar display sure but i don't know it's him in there it sounds like you are carefully using your fighter squad's formation to number one pick off the fighters one at a time but number two most importantly to make sure that those that are in danger of getting near your shuttles are the ones you pick off and number two that the rest of them are not in a position to get close because they have to keep keep clear of your attacking fire. And that is exactly what you do. The shuttles are shooting off towards the Alexander and in a few moments' time will dock 
with that whereupon that will become the thing you need to protect to make sure that they don't get blown up while they're doing their job. However, in the meantime, scores of Korax ships come shooting towards the Hecate and some of them are landing. Why don't you describe for me, Captain Buckley, what it looks like when the Hecate is opening up on an enemy like this? Yeah, so I think the I think the Hecate is is kind of a destroyer. And so it has a few fighters, but most of its most of its firepower is its own firepower, I think. So it probably has like a couple of forward mounted rail guns or something that can fire off at anything that's in that line of sight. But most of this I think is likely to be like turrets deploying from the hull and trying to shoot down individual fighters as they as they approach or uh, you know, breaching ships or whatever is coming our way. So I think the space immediately around the Hecate is is just full of tracer fire and and explosions. Cool, nice. Some of those ships are successfully landing blows in the Hecate, though. So I'm going to build uh, add one to the attrition clock, and that's also one to the battle clock. Reminder: when the battle clock gets to four it will reset and will start doing a lot more attrition damage than just one per round. Yep. Now then, I'm going to cut for a moment Dr. Roy. What are you what are you actually doing, Dr. Roy? What the hell are you doing? You come out here by yourself in this tiny little thing. You can see all these fighters around you. You can see the explosions that Nick's just described. You must be realising at this moment how insane this this move was, but you're out there now. What are you doing? I think, given that I've made contact with the Korax and they've told me I'm one of them, right, which is what they said, I think that they will not attack me, right? I'm having one of those sort of profit moments here and that maybe I'm going to somehow weirdly solve it. Say that's true and say that they they don't do anything to you. What are you going to do to solve it? I'm going to make further contact. And I was thinking of making further contact on the Alexander, but now the tendril is sticking out. Oh my god! Are you flying towards the tendril? Is that what you're implying? I think that's what I'm. That's what I think. That's what I'm thinking. I'm going to do. Yeah. Holy shit! Stone Cold Legend. I mean, I am part of the Korax, so really, you know, if I get consumed by the Korax, then I'll just be pooped out as another bit of the Korax somewhere else, somewhere some of the time that i've truly lost it <laughs> that's an interesting set of assumptions that you're making there i think back on the bridge the 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 tactical display probably shows that shuttle veering off in the direction of the of the tendril does that demonstrate enough of a losing it for you to for me to <laughs> take off my pressure at this point more than enough i mean do i need to get close enough to the tendril i don't know I guess I'm just going to shout into space and say, what do you want from me, basically? That's my aim, to try and get more. There wasn't enough information. I'm seeking more from it, right, for whatever reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. I believe that, like, as I'm one of them, they're not going to kill me. I might get killed from friendly fire from both sides. So, Commander Buckley, you were saying, what's what? tell us what you think is on the display. I, I'm, I am curious. No, I think I think it's it's one of those displays of the engagement area that shows all of the all of the ships with little icons on the on the map as they're moving around, and I think I can see on the map Doctor Roy's shuttle veer off away from a vector towards the Alexander, 
and start vectoring towards the tendril. And I think Sam probably even says, Oops. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he says um, out loud, because the bridge is probably relatively noisy at the moment because everybody's on battle stations and, and all the rest of it. But I think uh, he says loud enough that the, that the people around him can hear, what the hell is Dr. Roy doing? Comms, get Dr. Roy on the line. Hmm. Let's let's have that conversation. I want to know what uh, what you're saying. Um, do I want to reply? <laughs> do I want to answer that call? I don't know whether I do. I let it flash for a while. I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm going to say right now. So we'll see. I say, Captain, Doctor, what the hell are you doing? Your your shuttle's vectoring away from the Alexander. You were expecting me to go to the Alexander. I was expecting you not to be completely insane. Are you headed for the? You were fine with me flying in a tiny ship in a combat situation, though. Just to clarify the position. You made your choices, Dr. Roy, but, but I didn't realise that that this was what you had in mind. Dr. Roy, I can't necessarily redeploy to support you. I think I have some information which may mean that you do not need to do that. What the hell are you talking about? Who is the scientist here and who is the military? <laughs> Roy, this is my battle. Get that ship back on a sensible vector. Right, you're definitely calling him on his shit at this I point. I think I right? am, actually, yeah. Well, I think I've... My, my problem is that you're doing something suicidal. <laughs> and what you have to do to convince me otherwise is to get back on a sensible vector. Sensible. And I'm rolling plus hard, which for me is one. Uh, that is a seven. Made it by the skin of my teeth. That's good for you. You can interfere if you... If you wish to, Doctor Roy, it'll cost you some pressure to do it, though. So. No, I'm t- I'm totally I'm totally open to the winds of fate at this point. All right. So, what does this mean? Okay, on a hit, you choose from the options below, Ed, and you have the full suite of options. So, you can act to prove me wrong by doing what I asked. You can openly and forcefully refuse to do what I asked, and you'll have to mark pressure. No, I don't do that. You can openly and unequivocally admit that I'm right. You can act contrite and give me something that you think I want, or you can re- you can respond by calling me on my shit. I feel like I want to respond by calling you on your shit. <laughs> That's what I feel like I want to do. I was going to go you were with halfway the... to doing it already. Yeah, I feel like I was halfway there. So let's do that. So I'm carrying on flying towards the tendril, right? And I say to you, I think you've put this entire your battle. You've endangered this entire fleet on a whim. Do not tell me there's no emotion involved in this decision. Sam, I like to use these people's first names when I'm throwing them off. Why are we here and what are you doing? Oh, my God. You've got a dice roll to make it. Well, I think first, you, first we've got to find out what are you actually... Like, that's not really calling him on a shit. It's a, it's a great line, but, like, what do you want him to do? Yeah, that's... Mm. What do I want him to do? I mean, one possible answer is admit that... Yeah, I think I just want you to admit that you are doing this for your own personal reasons rather than for the benefit yeah. of anyone else. That's quite a big thing to admit in front of everyone else on the... On uh, an open bridge, comm so. channel, yeah. Are you, uh, is, it, is, this, uh, is this a fully open comm channel? Well, it's not. It's, I don't know that it's necessarily open across the fleet, but it, certainly the whole bridge crew can clearly hear this. Everyone in the bridge can hear it. I might be going over my pressure limit again <laughs> to make this work. Mm. Oh, oh man, dude. <laughs> it's a six, so I'm gonna write. I, I can, but can I mark pressure on that? I can't mark pressure. It's not. Is it asterisked? 
No, you can. So you can. Isn't it? Oh, you can. Hang on. No, of course someone in the shit is asterisk, isn't it? No. Nope. Ooh. Okay, what happens if I don't do it? Then I make a move. Otherwise, this could go back and back and forth. I'm going to let you make the move. Ooh, bold trust. Do I, I mark XP for that, do I? Or not? No. Uh, no, you don't. It's, it's, it's the asterisk one you to write mark XP. A, You would mark XP if you spent pressure to boost it. I think I know what I'm going to do here, but you've got a move to make first. So. Oh, hard. Pro- that's pro- yeah, uh, there's no way I'm going to make it because I think my hard's minus one anyway. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, well then. You don't want to spend two pressure. All right, well, it was it was a, it was a good speech. Well made. Uh, I made my what, point. What, what briefly do you say, Commander Buckley, before I make my move? Maybe I get cut off before my main point. No, I think I think you make your point, and I think Buckley says, "Get back on a sensible vector, Doctor Ray," and then turns to Comms and says, "Comms, give me Hellcat." I think there's a moment where you realise everyone's watching you having this conversation once again. Like that, some people, quite a few of them, are obviously focused on um, battle stuff, but the Comms person is definitely just like you know, jaw half open, <laughs> watching. Like like they're watching their favourite soap opera or something, and you turn to them to do that, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah," uh-huh. sort of frantically trying to look busy because Jesus has come in, kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to let you have a few words to Hellcat before I before I spin up this terrible thing that's about to happen. Uh, you you can do good moves as well as bad moves, right? I thought that's the right word. Like suddenly, I find a cake in my cockpit or something. No. Yeah, that, that's absolutely open to me. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> just, just putting it out there. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Good reminder. <laughs> okay, so when the comms person indicates that the channel's open, I am going to say, "Hellcat, this is Buckley," and that I said this is Buckley, not Hecate Actual, um, means you know this is me talking. Does it mean it's a private line? No, it's not a private line. Well, I mean, you know, the bridge crew can hear. It's, but it's, it, I've got a direct comm link to you. But it's not going out to all the other fighters. Hellcat, this is Buckley. Receiving. Hellcat, that blip that launched from the Hecate, you should see it swinging towards the tendril. Yeah, I've got it. That's Dr. Roy. He's gone and done something fucking stupid. Oh, that's stupid. Why did he do that? I don't think we have time for that right now. Hellcat, can you do me a favor? Anything, Cat. Tear it up. Okay, I immediately reorient my <laughs> my rapier towards the stupid ass vector that the doctor has put himself on, or science ass vector, depending on your perspective. Screech off in his direction. All right, amazing. Do I need to explain to you what I'm thinking? I'm going to do now, or I know I need to wait for you to make your awful move, don't I? I think you do. I think you do. Really, it's tricky with the Scorpio in this situation. But... I think there is. Let me just, uh, I'm going to open the actual Last Fleet rulebook because it's got some stuff in that I want to look at for a second. Uh Um, Appendix X. Yeah, the Appendix Death. (laughs) Just while you're doing that, I also want to, probably everybody is already thinking this, but but I have just asked Hellcat, who I love, to save Dr. Roy, (laughs) who Hellcat just slept with. That caused me a bit of stress. I thought you were going to say you love me as well. That's disappointing. (laughs) No. Yeah. What was the conclusion to that sentence, Nick? No, that's it. I just want everybody to be aware of the... the You've the grown in here. the last I don't know minutes. if I've grown. <laughs> Emotionally. Cool. So, the Korax 
fighters are like these little kind of almost spherical pod things that whiz around at high speeds and shoot like acidic spores or what have you. But there is amongst them, there is this tubular kind of cuttlefish-like thing, which is making its way inexorably towards the Hecate. And as it approaches, it's got these tendrils, again, like a cuttlefish's tendrils, imagine, that are sort of opening up and reaching out towards the Hecate. It's surrounded by a cloud of the smaller spore fighters. And this, like, if we were watching the TV show, this, this, we see this on camera as Buckley gives his order. Is it about the same size as the Hecate, or? No, no, it's it's not as big as the Hecate. Right. Okay. It is bigger than the spore fighters, though. I think probably the various little turrets and things are trying to kind of pick it off, but the fighters are getting in the way. Is where we're at. So that happens, and. Over where Dr. Roy is, a small group of spore fighters eject from the tendril and come towards you on an intercept course. They whiz out pretty fast, but as they come closer to you, they slow down and they converge on your position until they're really quite close to the point where you can see, like, out of your window, you can see them, like, up close. You can see that these are living things. You can see eyes, and you can see mouths, and you can see the little cilia that cover their exterior, and you can feel them watching you. What do you do? Can I tr- try and make contact with them? I, I... But how, how would you do that? Yeah, so I think it's really pathetically basic 1980s Steven Spielberg style. Like, I kind of like touch the window or something to try and like see if they res- like if they're like just facsimiles of a humanoid form of something or whether they will respond to my efforts to contact them in the win- on the window i don't know i really have no idea how i'm going to explain this when i get back on the ship but that's what i'm going to do okay i don't think there is any move for this so i'm just <laughs> going to make a move in response Unless you think there is a move that you're trying to make, I don't think can't think what it would be. Yeah, it's not really. I'm sort of stretching the, the limits here, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so I think you do feel something. You feel a presence, and it's like you can feel something making contact with your mind. But it's 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 animal. It's basic, but it feels not hostile, mm-hmm. not exactly friendly but open and receptive and you feel like you're being beckoned towards the tendril. Thanks for listening to Black Armada Tales. We've been playing Last Fleet by me, Josh Fox. You can find information about Last Fleet and all the rest of our stuff in the show notes. If you like what we do, then we'd really appreciate it if you shared the podcast on social media or gave us a review, preferably a five-star one, as that really helps people to find the podcast. See you next time. I think they said there were 32,000 unique individuals that came, so... (laughs)
Uh, every, every one of them weekend. unique. No clones. <laughs> well, they said it's a 52,000 entrance. 20,000 of which were clones. Yeah. <laughs> I was the most unique of the first 2,000 unique people, I think. Really? Actually, I wasn't that In unique. In a role-playing no. convention? Are you sure? I'll tell you why, Sue. I was wearing a pair of my Lucy and Yak dungarees. Do you know how many pairs of Lucy and Yak dungarees or run and fly dungarees I saw over the course of the one day I was there? <laughs> it was about 50. And two women grabbed me to say, oh my God, you're wearing Lucy and Yak, <laughs> who were also wearing Lucy and Yak. Everyone was wearing Lucy and Yak dungarees. It's basically a, a uniform in Bristol at this point. You, just <laughs> can't, you can't, yeah, you can't get they away from it. They must be minted, mustn't they? They're doing all right. They are I think. doing okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little. You can see the little white label from you know hundred paces. Little little nod of acknowledgement. Yeah. Three people came into my view, all wearing the same sunflower print dungarees at the same <laughs> point at one at one stage. Do you in that situation see if blokes tend to if they've got matching t-shirts they tend to sort of avoid each other, but like there's a sort of like much respect to the label same situation same charge ion type situation. Lucy and Yak is more like being members of the same cult. Yes, I, yes, the white square cult. Yeah, you want to go up and introduce yourself to fellow cult members. Uh, and I say that with a lot of love as somebody who is a fully paid up member of the yeah. Lucy and Yak cult. A candle holder. About six or seven <laughs> pairs of them. So Yeah, you're like a like a level eight member at this point, aren't you? You're, <laughs> you've nearly reached the pinnacle. You've reached Tom Cruise levels of ability to shout <laughs> at other members. I haven't got myself a boiler suit yet. I feel like that is the next natural level for me to achieve. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet, but I do want to have one at some point. The difference between what you wear in a boiler suit is arms? No, there's loads of differences between what I wear in a boiler suit. Arms is part of it, but obviously they button up through the <laughs> centre line and they have like lapels and stuff. Were there suits uh, with lapels? Okay, yes. Do they have lapels? Yeah. Traditionally, boiler, boiler suits? suits? Or is this a fashion thing? Uh, it's a cult membership thing, Ed. <laughs> Stop trying to I, I don't. I don't understand. I, I feel like I want to look it up, see if I can buy something. We don't it. question the higher ups. Liz has an amazing Lucy and Yak boiler suit, which every time she wears it makes me think that she's like the science officer on the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> and the first time I ever said, "Oh, you're after engineering," or something on the Starship Enterprise, she was so chuffed. Mm-hmm. Is, is that's it... exactly how I'd feel if somebody. Do they make them for for men? Technically, they're unisex. I think they're unisex, yeah. There you go. Well, we should just all buy some for the next Slack get together. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. Should we? Yeah, we should, definitely. (laughs) I I fear for Ed that it wouldn't be comfortable in his size. It might might ride up a bit, the the, the (laughs) boiler. I can see the white square now. I'm down with it. I had to buy the tall dungarees just because I needed extra length in the body. Like I, so I could, I wouldn't be able to wear their their boiler suits. I don't think you are beautifully tall, Sue. It's all torso length. <laughs> you have tiny little legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. A, I've got an insane giraffe-like back as well. It's uh, well, your oldest has inherited it as well. You've got giraffe backs. 
So I already own a boiler suit, which I use as a boiler suit. I wear it over clothes when I want to do work. When you want to fix the boiler. I'm not sure that when I want to fix the boiler, exactly. Precisely. Um, But what I don't know why I would want to wear a boiler suit in any other context, because it's pain in the ass, isn't it? The same applies to dungarees. You have to take the whole fucking thing off if you want to go to the toilet. They look super cute. They make you look like you're a science officer on the Starship Enterprise. And yeah, well, and what, you know you what I say the to the, right... star, the science officer in the Starship <laughs> Enterprise? How do you go to the toilet? That's what I say to them. Well, I would have thought that if you have the right equipment down there, then it's like quite a, easy a to go to the toilet in a boiler yeah. suit. <laughs> I was thinking transporter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking piss bag, but there we go, whatever. Do I, uh, or I'm feeling the need. Scotty, could you please set it to number four? <laughs> I should have said number two, shouldn't I? 